This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I am so thankful to get to talk to you today a little bit about disability and philanthropy. Um, and talk about um, how philanthropy helps shape the lives of adults with developmental disabilities through its giving. Um, first, I should start with I have no financial conflicts of interest to disclose. And then, um, as far as the overall goals, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about philanthropy and health and healthcare-focused giving. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about with foundations mystery history, our mission, and some of our funding priorities, as well as discussing some key components of what we've seen as far as service delivery program design from our years of funding in the disability healthcare space. Um, and then I want to close by talking a little bit about why this matters. Um, ultimately, I'm, I'm going to talk a lot. Um, hopefully not too long, and hopefully um, you can understand with the accent, I am Southern, so it'll come out probably, the longer this goes on, the more it'll be apparent. <laughs> um, but as far as the learning objectives, I'm hoping that you'll leave with an understanding of the skies and, size and scope of philanthropy, as well as an idea of the healthcare focus giving, and then be at able to identify some of the key components that we think really enhance healthcare service delivery and the experiences that adults with developmental dis with disabilities have. Um, so I'm going to start by doing my best Jerry Maguire impression and try to show you the money. Unfortunately, you know, with Foundation is a smaller foundation, so it is not an option for me to write a check to everyone in this room, but I'm gonna share the basic facts about what philanthropy is doing and what's going on in healthcare. So when we think about philanthropy, um, according to Giving USA, the field of philanthropy in the last year has given over $427 billion. Overall, according to Candid that does specific research around foundation giving, um, about $76 billion of that is given through foundations similar to with foundation and other private forms of philanthropy that's more formal. But overall, of that $427 billion, about 8% of it is given to organizations working in the healthcare space. So sometimes um, working in philanthropy, we talk about there is never enough money to go around, and there really isn't, especially as many of us know about the daily needs of individuals with disabilities and how costly it is to live the life and get the services that you need. Ultimately, even though you hear $427 billion, and that's more money than I can even imagine, only 8% of it goes to healthcare. Um, that being said, I do want to talk a little bit 
about with Foundation and our history in the space and some of the things we've learned throughout the years. So the WIT Foundation was established in 2002, um, and it ultimately seeks to promote comprehensive health care for adults with developmental disabilities in ways that meet their fundamental and unique needs. Um, when the foundation started in 2002, um, the first few years it gave more broadly to disability issues, and then since 2011, um, it's given exclusively um, around health care. We are one of the few foundations that exist um, that specifically give in the area of disability and health care. Um, one of the things that makes WITH Foundation unique, um, and if, if you were reading more about philanthropy, every year um, different places talk about trends and I'll have you know that according to the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, a trend for 2020 is community participatory grant making. Now, although more people are talking about it in the field of philanthropy, this is not something that's new to WITH. From its very beginnings, um, it's had people with lived experience of disability involved on its board of directors, and then now also involved through a self-advocate advisory committee, which advises the foundation on everything we do in our grant making, as well as our programmatic efforts. So even though it's a new trend for some, we've, we've been around and doing it for a while. But when, when I look at kind of our year's experience and of the things we're funding, what are some of the common themes common components that I see um, really makes a difference in the lives of people with developmental disabilities and makes for effective healthcare service delivery. So I'm gonna discuss four key components when I look over the years of things we're seeing. So the first is that um, and many of you have, have discussed this yesterday and today, and um, it's something um, where, that's close to everyone in this room's heart and how they approach many things that they do, but um, is care that is culturally competent, um, meaning that it is, has, that when care is being delivered, it has the ability to understand, communicate with, and effectively interact with individuals from all cultures. Um, this can also sometimes be described as programming that displays a sense of cultural humility. Um, kind of the tenets when we think about uh, cultural competent care, culturally competent care, or care that is delivered with cultural humility is that it displays an awareness of the person delivering the care of their own perspective and their worldview, as well as a knowledge of others' cultural differences, um, what we call a learner's attitude as well, so they're open to learning about um, how to address the differences, and then um, a commitment to the development of cross-cultural skills. 
in addition to culturally competent care, another um, component that we see in effective service delivery programs is programs that center the individuals with lived experience in their programming. And when I say this, it's not just as recipients of service, which we're all very familiar with and is an important piece, but also um, centering individuals with lived experience of disability as professionals, as project leads, as implementers of those programs. Because when we look at the programs that are being funded, and we look, when we look at philanthropy itself, um, as I mentioned, we are seeing the trend towards more community participatory grant making. And why is that? It's because funders and every, everyone pretty much understands. Who understands these issues more than people with lived experience that deal with it day in and day out? So that is not only important for funders to have, but also important for healthcare service delivery to not just care for the individual, um, provide them with the services, but also look to them as professionals and implementers of projects. Um, thirdly, when considering key components that make for effective program design, um, there was a theme of supported decision-making. Um, this is an area that with Foundation is committed to, and we, we are a rarity among funders um, in that it is something we are comfortable in funding, um, but supported decision-making, as I know many of you um, heard some excellent presentations about that yesterday and um, got to hear from a few of our um, previous grantees on that issue and people doing great work, but supported decision-making is a framework that allows the individual with a disability to receive the care and services that they need or that they desire to have without having to surrender their legal rights. So it centers that person but allows them to develop a support team that can help them address their needs. Um, that being said, I think it's very critical to understand that supported decision-making is not always in conflict with conservatorship or guardianship. For individuals that are under conservatorship or guardianship, it is possible to use the tenets and the supported decision-making approach within a conservatorship or guardianship situation. So I, I try, when talking to families and talking to loved ones, it's, you know, we all know um, things happen and you, you need to go down certain paths for certain reasons, but there's no reason that you can't use a supported decision-making framework within conservatorship or guardianship. Then la lastly, um, number four, um, a component that we see when looking at effective program design for healthcare delivery is a shift to e-platforms. So um, this includes, obviously, as many of you are familiar with, things like telehealth, but also beyond telehealth, making things available like 
all the sessions at this conference will be available on online. But when we look at healthcare in general and, and much of the information that, that's out there and much of what's being funded, there, there is a shift and an increasing expectation that the information and the projects have a component that's available online. Um, as a smaller foundation ourselves, um, although we fund nationally, it is, it is a great way to ensure and support organizations being replicated nationally and information truly getting out there. Um, so when examining the overall portfolio of WIS Foundation's grants, it's really um, an emerging trend and something I anticipate will continue. So, um, and I know many of you are doing it, but at, when you think about um, future efforts and future projects and programs, um, I think including an online component is important. Obviously, we know money makes the world go round, and there's never enough of it. But when you look beyond kind of our initial reactions, why is it important to talk about um, the role of philanthropy and the things we're seeing as key components in program design? Does anyone um, have any, any thoughts or any initial reactions that they just want to shout out or um, are, are thinking about? Exactly. Good one. Anything else? Well, federal cutbacks is a significant piece. Um, also, um, I, I think it's important to understand that um, we, are, we are seeing a decline in individual giving, which means that um, although people are still giving, we are seeing a concentration of the giving start to happen amongst um, foundations. So that, that's a piece of why this is important, and many foundations, especially in the healthcare space, are looking to each other about their learnings, about you know, what we're seeing, and we learn from each other. So this is what we're communicating to other foundations um, are good components to see in healthcare service delivery. But there's also the human side of we're all here, and I know if you're here today, you're here to learn more or you're, and or you're already doing extraordinary work, and we, we're all here because we care about people with disabilities. We want to see them have the best lives possible to achieve whatever goals they have. Um, and something I'm mindful of is it's not just creating the perfect service delivery program. That is critical. But there's, there's little things we do every day that can support and model behaviors that individuals with disabilities benefit from. When I think about my own journey as an individual with um, spastic diplegic cerebral palsy, since we had the previous presentation the whole time, I was thinking, I know some doctors are going to be analyzing, so I will 
answer the question for you. Um, spastic diplegic cerebral palsy. I think I'm a number th- or a level three, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Please, you know, speak to my previous doctors if they'll. Um, but when I think about my own, own journey, um, I had many advantages. Um, I had a mother that was um, particularly well-versed in kind of the disability service system, and she had me involved in my IEP programs um, before kind of train the trainer was a thing. So I was in my IEP meetings before it was more acceptable. Um, But when it came to healthcare decisions, like any parent, my mother loves me and she loves me fiercely you know that doesn't mean we always get along and haven't had our our differences but you know if any of you say anything bad I'm sure she's gonna you know find out who you are and what's going on with you I'm lovely (laughs) at least according to her um but when it came to my healthcare decisions especially as as I got older um there there were some concerns and and even though um, my mother was great and is great about some things, when it came to healthcare decisions as I got older, there was some natural friction. But I will always remember my orthopedic surgeon um, when it, I was getting a follow up for a, a hip surgery, um, and there came a point in time where um, he could tell I was a little bit uneasy. And um, I wanted to discuss some things, not necessarily in front of my mother. And, you know, when you're, when you're in the appointment, you can't really always say, you know, I don't want you here. Especially because she is such a great advocate and she, you know, has attention to detail and understands all that information. But in that moment, my orthopedic surgeon modeled a behavior that I carry with me today. And he had a way of... He just said, hey, you know, can, can we just have a moment to chit-chat and just catch up? Like, tell me how your day is, and, you know, why don't you go grab a beverage, Mom? And in that moment, you know, my mother was like, okay. But it, it, it provided me an opportunity to ask the questions that I wanted to ask. Um, looking back, um, the answers were meaningful to me, although they seem kind of simple questions, but I'm glad I got to ask them. But that doctor, whether he knew it or not, was modeling a behavior that is, is critical, was critical to my life and is critical to the lives of others. So um, I, I hope today that not only will you take away some of the key components we're seeing in terms of effective healthcare service deliveries, but you will also remember that each of us has the ability to, in big and small ways, make significant differences in the lives of people with disabilities. Many of you already are, you know, but continue on that path and don't forget the power that you have um, to, to really make a difference. And we are all united, although we do our work differently. I, as a grant maker, you know, I have the easiest part, find the good work, support it. Y'all have the harder, which is doing the work, but we're all united by 
our desire for seeing our loved ones with disabilities live the lives they want and have opportunities. That's what all people want, want regardless of whether or not they have disabilities, is the ability to live lives filled with opportunity and meaning. So thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the ways in which you're allowing that to happen for individuals with disabilities. And with that, I will turn it over for the Q&A. And hopefully this wasn't too boring for y'all. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.